Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving your kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and most definitely messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. My guest, Obeth, incredible dude. You are going to love this story. It is like watching a movie just unfold. I absolutely love my conversation with him. He is the ideal life of showing what Rebel and Create is all about. The dude continues to fight and continues to create, and it's incredible. He shares about his marriages. He shares about divorce. He shares about um, having to get a job at seven years old. He shares about being a single dad, reuniting with an old family member, and co-parenting. It is really, truly amazing. You are going to gain a ton of wisdom, and especially us dads, to know that you're not alone, to know that life is difficult, but if we allow it, it can shape us into better and better men if we allow the process of messy life to not just make us complacent, quiet, but allow us to be open and vulnerable and grow humbly. Enjoy this conversation around fatherhood. If you like it, please share it. Uh, This message that fatherhood matters, that we are trying to redefine, please write a review. Um, It helps to rank the podcast so that more people can find it. Thank you and enjoy this amazing conversation around fatherhood. All right, here we go. Another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. I've got my friend Obeth sitting in the office. How's it going, Obeth? Great, great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. I am super excited about this. So Obeth and I work in the same industry in insurance, and we've known each other, I think, for maybe a couple years at this point. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. almost two years, I think. But it was just last um, November, December, where we actually had some appointments together. Um, So we had to go to the Bay Area, and then we had to go to Reno to do some open enrollment meetings. And so that's really where, I mean, when you're in the car for a couple hours, you kind of get to know somebody. Yeah, that's not not a better way than to commute together somewhere. Yeah. So in that, some conversations came up about fatherhood that really piqued my interest. And he said, yeah, I'll tell you about that on another day because there's another guy riding with us. And so I had my interest had been piqued. And um, we actually just went out to lunch a week or two ago. Yep. Yeah, like last week. And we had some killer Mediterranean food. Amazing. And you shared with me your story. And I'm like, dude, we've got to record that. People are going to dig it. Yeah, it was just uh, like, I guess you you mentioned that people always think about, well, what am I going to say? But uh, I guess, you know, it's just being real. Yep. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, the podcast Fatherhood Field Notes, it's everybody's got a story. And you know what I realized as I started listening to podcasts and wanted to talk about fatherhood is we love hearing stories. And so mm-hmm. to hear somebody's story is so interesting. And what I really love is being a father is a level playing field. So it's not like I'm, I mean, I would be great to sit down with whoever, Kevin Hart and talk about fatherhood, but Kevin Hart's going to have the same experiences as you and I, or di- you know, different in the sense of when you have your first kid and when you have your kid talking back to you and you're trying to raise and feed and clothe and all this stuff, it doesn't matter how much you make, how much status you have, who you are, fatherhood's a level playing field. Right. So this is about just the everyday 
regular ass dad opening up talking about fatherhood. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, man. So for people to get to know you a little bit better, can you, uh, how old are you? I'm 44. 44? 44. And how many years have you been married? Married about three years, almost four years now. Okay. And how many children do you have? Five. Five. So there we're lined up. We both have five. Yep. And how old are your children? My oldest daughter's 24. Uh, I had her when I was 20. Then I have a 13-year-old son, Obi. Um, Genevieve is my daughter. Then uh, Noah, who's our uh, nephew who lives with us full-time, who's uh, our 11-year-old son. And Otto, who's two and a half. And Massimo, who's going to be one in later this month. Dude, that's so awesome. You got quite the spread. (laughs) So a lot of wisdom in that head, whether you realize it or not, about being a parent and kids and stages of life. Yeah, people joke around. They said that, and it's true, I've had a kid every decade. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, that's funny. Well, cool. Well, I'm excited to kind of get into the story. Um, Okay, so uh, married for three, four years. Mm Mm-hmm five kids we already kind of talked about you're in the insurance world as well which is a great industry to provide for a family um what has been one of the greatest resources to you as a dad in any of the decades or at any of the stages you found yourself a father in you know there was uh one of my uncles was a, a really good influence on me um he's my my mom's brother-in-law so um but he was a really good um role model for me growing up um typical traditional mexican dad uh food you know provider went to work every day and but he was really good to his wife and his kids Mm. and and i kind of he kind of adopted me for a little bit of time so he was a really good guy so that was always kind of set this tone of the kind of dad you wanted to be yes some of it some of it. I try to take the best of that, but yes. That's good. Nice. Well, you know, the, the podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes, which we talked about, but the core theme is rebel and create. And that has been so important to me um, in a lot of ways. Like you could apply it to a lot of things, but the whole idea is as men, uh, there's this warrior inside of us, this let's rebel, um, but not just for the sake of being destructive and kind of ruin things in our path, but to create, like once a wall is torn down, we want to create something. So it could be as big as I'm rebelling against the status quo that was placed on me my whole life, you know, to create this life that I want to, I want to rebel <coughs> against, uh, looking at Instagram for 25 minutes on the toilet while my kids are, you know, getting put down to bed or whatever, you know? Right. So what's something that you are rebelling against? currently and what do you hope to create out of that one of the things um just really being there for my kids and really enjoying being a dad more now than i have before Mm. um just really taking the time to like you said uh put everything aside and just be a dad and play with my kids and and you know be a kid with them that's one of the things that I really want to focus on um, this year and, and moving on. That's awesome. Was there an instance or something in particular that kind of triggered that thought for you? When I was younger, especially with uh, you know, with my daughter, um, 
I was a brand new dad and I tried to do everything right and um, I became a single dad very, very young, but uh, I thought I just had to provide mm. and not really do anything else. And uh, so I had three jobs growing. She was a, a little baby and uh, one day she woke up uh, very, very early, right before I had to go to work and she just held my hand and started crying and she said, don't leave. Mm. And, and I didn't go to work that day and I quit both two jobs and i just kept one and we figured it out so man that's killer now would you say that culturally because you because you grew up in mexico yep would you say that culturally the role of the dad is more to work and provide than necessarily to spend that time with the kid it is yeah that's so then when your kid's holding your can your hand crying what is it that I mean, there was something inside you that went, man, this, this is important. Yeah, I just couldn't bear the, I just couldn't bear looking at my little girl. She was only, you know, two and a half, maybe not even, almost three, looking up at me and crying, just just holding my hand and say, don't leave me. And, and that was it. It broke me. I was like, you know, money's not that important. I need to stay and and spend time with my kid. How's your relationship with her now? Great. And she's 24. She's 24. Uh, we had our rocky moments, especially in teenage years and when she went into the military. But um, our relationship is great now. We talk all the time. Uh, she shares with me everything. I mean, sometimes more than I need to know. But that's cool. You know, we go have drinks together now. Uh, we go on happy hours and love sushi. She's my sushi eating partner. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah, I I remember us driving. I don't know the highway, but we're driving in Nevada to our appointment. And when I hear a dad talk about his kid, like the way that you were, like I remember sitting in the front seat. No, I was sitting in the back seat, hearing you in the front seat talk. And you were telling me and the guy who was with us about your relationship with your daughter. And I mean, I'll probably remember that forever because the way you spoke about her was just like, oh my gosh, if every dad talked that way about their kid and had that kind of loving relationship with them. And like you said, you have your rocky moments. You don't give up. You obviously, clearly, both of you kept fighting for that. Like she's 24 and you're tight with her. Yes. That's killer. You're always her dad and you're the only one she's got. Yeah. Yeah. And it starts, you know, in my opinion, it starts from moments like you had with her when she was little where you made her feel valued and important. Yeah, I think that's that definitely has something to do with it. Oh, man. Dude, this is such good stuff. Okay, so um, obviously you want to continue to be that dad who's engaged with his kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're kind of rebelling against still. And you know what's cool is it's been 22 years and it's almost like that rebellion you're still fighting against um, cause you're talking about it with your one and two year old, one and three year old, one and two. Yeah. Yeah. One and two year old. Like you still want to pay attention to not get caught up at work, which dude, sometimes there's so many accolades at work and the pats on the back and the attaboys cause you get a sale or you get whatever. You might not get that same from your kids, especially at one and three. Yeah. So sometimes I think it's easier for us to put our best energy into work, but you're fighting against that, which is killer. You know, when, when, especially at this age, and I think um, I'm enjoying fatherhood more now that I'm older, that I can really 
take things and appreciate them more for what they are and and not focus so much on on other stuff uh but when when your little two-year-old or uh, even the baby now when they do something it might be something as silly as like just giving you a little hug or or they say a new word or they say they start speaking or they start saying papa or mama or whatever the case may be that just you're like okay i you were a crazy maniac earlier today but that just made up for for everything yeah. you did oh it's uh it's amazing it's cool to be able to still see those moments because there's definitely a lot of the uh the terrible <laughs> oh, yeah. you're a turd moment but like you're saying when it's one of those amazing moments it totally cancels out those others yeah uh which is killer so all right i love it I want to jump into your story and, and really one of the, the, there's so much to it. There's so much we could learn from, from relation, you know, past relationships to the way you grew up to the really crazy story of, of, of you and your own father. So I kind of like to just like go from the beginning and go through the whole thing and maybe pause on a couple of, you know, uh, signposts and just point out some cool stuff about that. So does that sound good? Sounds great. All right, yeah. man. Let's get let's get into it. Um. Okay. So I uh, grew up in Mexico City. Uh, I was born in Mexico City. Um. I was there until I was probably seven years old. Well, my mom uh, married this guy. His name is Rafael. Uh, two years later, my sister was born. And throughout this whole time, um, all I saw was this horrible relationship of, you know, physical, mental uh, abuse um, from him. And uh, until one day, my mom just had enough and decided to leave. Um, and that abuse was towards you or towards your mom? Towards my mom. Hmm. Yeah, he never really did anything to my sister or myself, but uh, he was, I mean, violent. Um he would drink all the time, and there was one occasion where he he always thought because he was cheating all the time, so he was a womanizer, drunk. I mean, the worst person in the world. Um, because he was doing those things, he thought she was doing those things. Mm. So he would come home and um, just drunk, and there was this one occasion where he just grabbed her by the neck and was like really slapping her around and pulled out a knife and put it uh, on her face and said, uh, I'm just going to cut your face so you remember me the rest of your life. And and I'm five years old, crying, trying to Man. pull him down. And it's just, uh, you know, it's I, st- I can still see it, you know. And uh, luckily, you know, he didn't do it, but it was, it was just terrible. Um, and right after that, she had enough, and we just we left. Um, but um, so that was that. We we left to to my mom's hometown, and and we struggled. We so this was uh, when I was seven. So we left, uh, left everything behind. Went to my mom's hometown. It was a tiny little town in Veracruz, uh, Mexico. Um, and we started living with my great grandmother, so she gave us a little tiny room in the back. And so now, my mom's a single mom uh, with two kids, and not really any skills or anything like that to to get a job. Or she was always a, a stay home mom. Mm. 
um, she didn't finish school because my grandfather didn't believe that girls needed to go to school. So all she knew was stay at home, do chores, cook, so be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. So it was the su- it was the summer um, when we when we left, and um, so I had to start working. Um, and you're seven years old. I'm seven years old. So one of the neighbors was a family friend. He said, "Hey, well, I have I need people." So I started working in the fields, um, fertilizing, planting. Just what time would you get up to go work? Four o'clock in the morning. So four o'clock in the morning. Is somebody coming to wake you up? My mom. So she comes in and she's like, "Wake up!" It's like time to go. So it was, uh, and my we all did it too. My cousins went. Everybody just went. We just had to do it, and then, and it was summertime. So, um, do you remember that first day? Yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy. I you know. so I asked Obeth just now, like he was looking at the, you know, the couch talking, and I'm like, do you remember that first day? And dude, you just eyes right on me, like you looked me in the eyes. You're like, yeah. So it's like you remember being seven, and it's like this is my new life. I'm gonna go because I need to help support my family. Yeah, it was. Um, so we came when we lived in Mexico City. You know, uh, Rafael had a good job and he provided we lived in a nice apartment we had a car we went out to eat every weekend so it was a nice i guess nice uh life in that sense yeah and then we go to we're living in a tiny little boarding house room in the back of my uh grandmother's house great-grandmother's house then i get up at four in the morning i go and my cousin and i go and get in this big truck with um you ever seen those trucks that have um, rails on the side where yeah. so it was just filled with guys it was like 20 guys in, and kids in the back of this truck and then we'll drive probably an hour hour and a half to this wow um pineapple plantation and then we unload put our staff down our lunch water and then uh, this other truck will come in and, and they'll bring these big huge bags of fertilizer and then we had to wear this thick thick uh, plastic aprons so that we could walk through the pineapple fields and don't get scratched. Mm. So we had to get this fertilizer and just fertilize the crown of every pineapple in the field. And we just did that all summer. Uh, then when that was done, then we went and did, um, uh, we planted watermelon and cantaloupes and and then we harvest. Uh, we did the harvest for the watermelon and all that stuff all summer. That's what we did. And then after summer, did you get to go to school? Yeah, I went to school. Uh, um, I was always a a good student. I liked school. Uh, But then I would work in the afternoon. I got a job at a uh, machine shop. Okay. I was like the errand boy. I did everything from sweeping to doing errands to fetching parts to helping with the tool, whatever they needed. And were you doing that at 8, 9, 10 years old? Yep. Yeah, until... Stud, work ethic, man. So then after that, when I was around... 11 or so, uh, Raphael comes to my mom's hometown and he's like, hey, I, I want you guys to come back. My mom obviously refuses. And I've always been really, really close to my mom. I think closer than my sister. Um, so when he comes back and he says, hey, I want to take you guys back, she says no. My sister says no. And I say I'm going. So that that broke my mom's heart. But I was, I felt like I was, I don't know. I just I was struggling. I I wanted to have some sort of like security and yeah. you know being able to maybe be a little bit of a kid and so I left. 
I went with him, and and I thought it was gonna be this really cool bonding thing with my my dad. So I thought he was my dad, um, which is another thing we'll talk about. But uh, so we get there um, about a week, two weeks will go by maybe, and then he brings this this younger woman into the picture. And I think at the time he was probably like forty, maybe my age, forty, forty something. She was maybe 20, 21, 22. Um, and she was pregnant. Uh, so then then it was the three of us living together, and, and I just, I went and crazy. And it was that she was pregnant with his kid? Yeah. Okay. So then you know, she's pregnant, she has the kid, and then my sister decides to come over and, and stay with us. Um, that, again, broke my mom's heart. She was there and, and she would try to come see us as often as she could, but it was an, it was an eight hour oh, bus geez, ride yeah. and she didn't have a car. So, um, so then that went on and then the chaos started again with Raphael and, and his new wife. Um, this whole thing, the, the abuse, the everything started all over again. And so we you're like, just like free hashing, like, great, this is all happening again. This isn't what I thought. No, not at all. So we then, my sister and I decide to, we talk to my mom and like, can we please come back? And it's like, absolutely, you guys. Mm. And so then we moved to the city of Veracruz, to, uh, which is the main port of, uh, or the main city in Veracruz is one of the biggest ports in Mexico. Uh, and so it's a big city now. My okay. mom has a job and now I'm going to school. Um, and I have a job also, but um, then it's more, it's a little more normal because we have an apartment. Um, but still struggling a little bit, you know, trying to pay rent and, and all this stuff. And my mom's the only one really with a real job and I'm working part time in a mm-hmm. computer store. Um so then we had to take roommates to help, you know, um, subsidize yeah. the, the cost of living in the city. Um, then my mom starts migrating to the U.S. Like once a year, she'll come to Tijuana. And then she had some relatives. She had a passport, so she'll go back and forth to work. So she stayed in, T- in TJ, work in San Diego, and come back. And she did that for... A few months out of the year. And how long would you, oh, so she'd be gone for a couple months? She'll be gone for three, four, five months sometimes. And then is it just you and your sister? So it's my sister and I and my grandmother. Okay, your um, grandmother's living with you guys. But she was gone a lot. So she traveled all the time. So it was really my sister and I. And, and you're what, like 14, 15? 14, 14, so you're 15 like, at the time. You're kind of taking care of your sister, making yeah. sure you guys are going to school and fed and everything? Yes. That's a big responsibility. Yeah, it was. But is that just normal? No. It no, wasn't normal. No, that's uh, none. I mean, I guess if you're in that situation, it's kind of it is normal to take care of your siblings uh, as you're a teen. That's right. pretty normal, especially if you have two working parents. But um, so then, while she's working, one of the people that she's working for, um, she was taking care of an adult uh, person, and she said, "Hey, yeah, my uh, I have a nephew that lives in Lake Tahoe who's single. I think you guys should meet." Hmm. So they, she introduces them via picture. Like she gives my mom a picture of Ismail and vice versa. So then my mom comes back to Veracruz and they, then they start writing each other for like a year. So they didn't meet. They just wrote each other letters. They just wrote each other letters and, and saw a picture of each other. Man, that's cool. Then he shows up one day and on a Monday and 
And my mom had told me that he was going to show up, but I was at, now I'm 15, so I'm. So that's interesting. You like remember the day. Yeah, uh, yeah, because it's interesting because they by Friday they were married. <laughs> okay, so she, he shows up Monday. Is this the first time they actually first see? first time they see each other? First time we meet him. First time I think we even talked to him. Um, but they've been riding each other for like a year. And did you? So did she know he was coming to marry she her? She knew. Well. I mean, he she knew he was coming to see us, but then he he showed up and he said, "I I love you. I want to marry you. Here's he even handed he, here's my wallet. You take care of everything. Um, let's get married." What? He took us out to a nice dinner that day. I'm like, "This you're is like crazy. 15. You're I'm going, 15. What the hell's going on? I'm super jealous. I'm like, mm. what is this dude thinking that he's doing? Because you're the man of the house in a sense. Yeah, yeah, I was and. So I was not about any of that. And so she, you know, she gets married. And then he's like, I, I want to take you guys back with me to Lake Tahoe. And, and I said, there's no way. I'm not going. See ya. You guys go. So Monday by Friday married, when did they come back to Tahoe or come up, go to Tahoe? Probably not. Maybe like a month later. Okay. So he came down to stay for a month. Yeah. He stayed for a little bit. And then he, um, I don't remember if he came back. I think he he went back to Tahoe and then sent money to to buy plane tickets and then my mom and my sister left. Wild, um, wild, right? It's crazy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I stayed. I so I, you're like, I'm not going. Forget it. I'm 15. I'll just stay here. And I had a I was going to school. I had a job. Um, I was staying with my grandma, which again, my grandma was pretty absent. She was traveling all the time. So I was like, I was an adult pretty much. You know, just doing whatever I wanted. I didn't have a curfew. Um, now, would you be out getting in trouble, screwing around, or would you just kind of cruise in doing your thing? Oh, no, I was getting in trouble. Oh, okay. Yeah. It just the drinking and smoking was, I've seen that throughout my whole life in my family. So I was you know, drinking and smoking cigarettes when I was very young. and um, But it was very normal. It was like the normal thing to do in, in Mexico when you were that age going out. So at 15 years old, you go to school, you might go to your job, and then you might go grab some beers with some friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then about a year goes by, my mom comes back and she says, you know, you're only 15. You are not an adult. You're you're my kid. You're coming back with me. So I just, at that point, I just put my guard down and I said, okay, let's go. Fine. So that's pretty interesting. So your mom's gone for a year. I'm assuming you guys talk every once yeah. in a while. And you still have this deep relationship with your mom, but how did you respond to her? Because she basically was like, all right, I'm just going to go down there and pull my mom card. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you needed that or, I mean, wanted that? I think I, I did. I did. I wanted to, in a sense, I, I still wanted to be, I was I was still a kid. I mean, I was 15. Yeah, 15 years old. Um, and my dad, uh, Ismail, uh, who I, I call my dad, uh, he's a... Uh, he had a talk with me. He said, listen, you're just come home. You don't have to work. Just go to school. And so he was like, hey, dude, I'm not trying to win you over and all this stuff or be this hard dad figure to you. Just come and, and enjoy this life that I've kind of provided your mom. Yeah, that was that was it. Dude, he sounds like a really sweet man. Super sweet. So to everybody, he's to all the kids. Uh, he's uh, abuelo, you know. He's the grandpa. Yeah. So he's uh, everybody knows him as the grandpa. Um, so came to Tahoe. 
went from the east coast of Mexico, which is the weather's kind of like Florida, hot, yeah. humid, beach town to South Lake Tahoe in the winter. <laughs> and, uh, a total culture shock. Culture shock. He was tell- He used to tell me that you couldn't see the other side of the road when it was snowing. And I thought, man, you're full of it. There's no way. And sure enough, the back then the plows used to just pile up the snow in the middle of the mm. in the turning lane, mm. um, and then it would snow more, and then they would just keep piling it up so that you couldn't see the other side of the road. And so when and you moved, was, yeah, so it was, you're like, this yeah. is real, this is crazy, going from that to ten feet of snow on the road. Did you speak English at this point? None. Oh, damn. So you move here at 15. So what are you, a sophomore or junior? I was a sophomore. Yep. And you're like, all right, I'm going to go to school. So It's yep. snowing, and I got to speak English now. No, so we 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 were living in this little tiny cabin close to the school. So I would uh, I would walk to school, and um, and then he got me a job. So I wanted to work. I'm like, I want to, I can't. Yeah, you're used to. You're used to having this kind of your own money and whatnot yeah so i i started working a couple of days a week as a dishwasher in a restaurant and um, then i go to school but um and then i got signed up for uh, esl classes english as a second language mm. so there's all this group of latinos because uh, mexicans salvadorians all kinds of people um and we all our classes were in spanish and half of it and we had an english teacher as well um but i wanted to learn and um so i signed up for the football team uh, I always wanted to play football, so I didn't speak any English at all. There was there were two kids in the football team that were Mexican but born here, so they knew Spanish enough to communicate with me and tell me what to do, mm. um, but not enough to like speak with me the way I was. I mean, I I was really fresh from Mexico, and yeah. they were born here. But um, just doing that, um, within a year, I was out of ESL classes and onto regular classes. Dude, what a stud, man. Like, I feel like that would be overwhelming and scary. I was scary. I was... But I was, you still did it. Like, you went and tried out for football. Yeah. And, and you made the team. I made the team, yeah. Yeah. And you go get a job and you go to school. I mean... Dude, if we could capture that for our kids here who have it so damn good yeah. and give them a little bit of confidence and bravery to go after things. That's the that's is the frustrating part with kids because then you try to say, you know, when I was a kid and they look at you like you're talking about a foreign subject, you know, it's uh, uh because they have it our kids have it so good, thank God. You know, that we can Yeah, it's provide. tough though, because it's like thank God they have it so good that I struggle with that. Like, at what level are we providing too much comfort that they have no skin? Right. Yeah. Um, well, I just wanted to, I mean, kudos to you, man, because you obviously you. No, have this this uh, ability to go after something you want and figure it out. I was, um, I was glad I did it, though. So, uh, you know, I, I still have some of those friends that were in that same class with me that oh, yeah? just, they just never really assimilated fully. Uh, you know what I mean? It's yeah. a, as they speak English, but they 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 kept within themselves and within the culture. And you obviously took the opportunity to grow. I mean, took the opportunity to be like there's like you've done well for your life. I can't complain. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been fun. Um, uh, I just wanted to 
be immersed in the culture and, and learn and, and be able to communicate well. And So you, you looked at it as an opportunity. Yeah. Have you always looked at life like that? Like opportunity? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always an opportunity to do something and learn something and, and do something and take a risk and, you know, uh, put yourself out there. You don't, you can't get too comfortable. If you get comfortable, then you get stagnant and, you know, you don't grow anymore. Yeah. Does that end ever? No. <laughs> no, right? No. I mean, you could, I guess, let yourself get comfortable or you could keep growing. Yeah. And like, I think what a great opportunity to keep growing just throughout our entire life. It is. So, so you assimilate, you're there for a year, and then you graduate high school up there? Graduate high school from South Lake Tahoe um, High. Then um, my senior year, I started dating um, my daughter's mom. Uh, we Right after high school, we decided to move in together. So she moves in into my house with my parents and my sister mm. and, and me and... Then she decides to sign up for um, for the Marines, so she leaves. So you have a kid so, together, you live together, and then she signs up for the Marines. And well, it was the other words. We moved together. We have no kids. Just we just moved oh, okay. in together. Um, get married, and then she goes in the Marines, and she's gone for boot camp. Then she comes back from boot camp and then goes back out to her um, to get her MOS or whatever, what she's going to do in the Marines. Um, so she's gone for six months total. Then she comes back with her orders and she says, well, I have to move to Arizona. So you can either come with me or you can just stay here. Because we, were, we weren't as jiving as much because the distance and yeah. a bunch of stuff going on. But she gets pregnant. And uh, so we get there, and like a month being there, she takes a test, and she's pregnant, and then we have Genevieve. I'm 20 years old. She's almost 20, and then we have Genevieve, and things don't work out very quickly. When she turns 21, things kind of go crazy, mm. and... I'll spread the details, but she came home one day and she said, I'm done. I want a divorce. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? And, and so I leave. She decides that she doesn't want to be married anymore. Um, and then I end up leaving Arizona for the summer. And I said, uh, you know, it's summer in Arizona. There's nothing to do. There's no work. Uh, it's too hot. So I'm, I'm going to go to Tahoe and work in Lake Tahoe because it's, it's the peak season. And I'm going to take Genevieve. So she's like, all right, that's fine. So I take Genevieve. We go stay at my parents' house. And how old is Genevieve? Year and a half. So you, the dad, because I think we put this stigma that's like a dad can't go take care of a one-year-old. But there's something in you that's like, you're not the one who's, you're just going to bounce. You're, I'm taking the kid. I'm taking our kid. I want a relationship with our kid. I want, even if I got to do this on my own, I want this. And I knew she was going to be, because there was no support at all in Arizona. It was just, she was just her by herself and, and we weren't together anymore. So I knew that I had the support of my parents and my sister and everybody in, in Tahoe and friends. And, um, so I, Took Genevieve, started working in the summer. Summer ends. And Can I just pause on that for one more second, yeah. though? What was it 
that you're like I I I I want to take the daughter. I want to take my daughter. I couldn't I couldn't bear being away from her. I just mm. I I knew she would be taken care of, and I just couldn't be away from her. So there's something inside of you that's like this is my responsibility. Yeah. Not and not just the sense of like I have to do this, but I want to do this. I really wanted to do that. Oh, there is just I just couldn't be away from her. There's no way. Um, okay, so you and it's and at this point it's for the summer, right? So you're going there for the summer, right? Okay, summer ends. Uh, our divorce is final. All that stuff is done. And were you pretty sad about that? Were you like not expecting it, or just willing to push through, or was it like uh, this is better off? I'm better off. You know, it it hit me pretty hard at the beginning, but then I was like, no, this is better off, definitely. Yeah. Um, um, so summer ends. We. I called her and I said, you know, there's there's really nothing for me back in Arizona. I don't have any family there. We're just going to stay here. And she agreed. So I I ended up staying in Tahoe with Genevieve at my parents. And uh, then I stayed with her, or I stayed in Tahoe with Genevieve until she was almost seven. Um, living with my parents sometime and then living on her own for some time. Um, and then the relationship started getting better with Genevieve and her mom and, and with us as well. Mm. Uh, so we started co-parenting and then she started going back and forth to then by this time now, she, she's done with the Marines and she lives in Sacramento. Oh, so Genevieve's mom moved to Sacramento. So it's definitely easier because the distance between Tahoe and Sac. Yeah. So we would meet in, um, um, Pollock Pines every other weekend and, and then we'll, you know, she'll spend time with her mom. Dude, good for you too to to, you know, and I don't know how your relationship with her is, but to it doesn't seem as though even the way you th- talk about her now that you badmouth her in the sense like you still knew it was important for your daughter to have a relationship with her. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's detrimental to everybody to do that. I yeah, just... but I don't think people pause and really think about that as often as they should. You know, they. Things come out when they need to come out. You don't need to mm. speak out of term and and make yourself look bad, even though you've you, been hurt or you've been wronged. Dude, that's huge. Things will come out when they need to come out. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean you got to be the one to bring them out. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it, it is what it is. That's you know, good. Genevieve had a really good relationship with her mom. It still does um, for a long time. Uh, I was, I was really jealous at sometimes because I was like, "Wait a minute, I'm the one that raised you up until almost seven, and and now you have this greater relationship with your mom." But you know, how'd you keep that jealousy to yourself? I I don't know. Uh, I well, I didn't say anything to Genevieve. That for sure. I didn't want her to have any animosity between her and her mom or. Um, or, or make her feel bad. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so, that's, that's good. Um, so that was, that was it. Uh, we started co-parenting and she moves, then I moved to Sacramento and now she's, now Genevieve's mom is married and, and, uh, so we're, I started hanging out with them just so I could be close to my daughter. Mm. Uh, I would even babysit for them so I could be close to my daughter cause they started having kids on their own and. I was single for a long time. Then then I um 
years later, when Genevieve is almost nine, uh, I met Obi's mom, and I thought I was like, I thought it was, I don't know. Uh, she was Mexican. I'm Mexican. Very family oriented. Um, big family, huge family. So, and by this time, I'm very much assimilated into the American culture, right? Most of my friends were American. I was probably the only Mexican in my group of friends. Um, so then, you know, having this this Mexican girlfriend now, like, oh, this is really cool. Like, trying to assimilate back into my own culture now. Mm. Um, so we hit it off. Uh, we, after a year of dating, we decided to move in together. She's pregnant uh, pretty fast. Um, uh, we get married. She gets pregnant. And then we have Bobby. And we were together for 10 years. Um, during those 10 years, then, yeah, it was, um, I don't know. Things happened for a reason. But uh, we, we, we were together but we weren't very happy together the mm. whole time. Um, then the economy economy goes down. I lose my job. And uh, and I'm probably at the lowest point in, in my life at this point. And I'm still trying to be a dad to Genevieve. And now Obi's mom also has a son that's the same age as Genevieve. So now we're trying to, you know, bring that into the whole thing. And now we have Obi, who's a baby. Um, so you have two middle schoolers and a baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then the economy goes down, lose my job, and then in the middle of all this stuff, and I'm now I'm 34. Uh, my mom calls me and she says, "Hey, uh, you know, I have to tell you something that's been needing out of me for a long time." And uh, I'm like, what is it? And she said, "Well, you know, Raphael is not your dad." Jeez Louise, oh my gosh. And at this point, I'm like, I don't care. You know, you raised me, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I don't care. But then it starts eating out at me. I will, and then then I start asking her questions. And then she starts telling me, well, I was dating this guy, and I got pregnant, and, and, and he offered help, but he wouldn't get married. And so then I... I was dating this guy, Raphael, before, so we just kind of got back together, and then you were born, and then your sister was born, and we were married, and that's how that happened. So I have this picture of this guy now that uh, I thought, based on my mom's story, that he didn't want anything to do with me. But, you know, then I started looking for the guy. And out of all places, I start sending, he tells me his name, where he lives, and that's all I know. She doesn't have a phone number. She doesn't. So she tells you where he lives. Yeah. Or where he did live when where she Where he did him. live, yeah. So what is it in us? I mean, you're 34. Yeah. You're a man now. Yeah. What is it in us that makes us care? I don't know. But it's something, right? Yeah. There's something in us that says, like, doesn't matter how old I am, if I'm a man or not, there's something about that relationship with our father that matters yeah if you were to say what you think it is i'm totally just putting you on the spot i mean i think it's 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 got to be nature right it's got to be that that human instinct i guess that that you just want to know where your 
where you came from. Yes, it's like, is it more? Is it more than where I came from? Is it? Do you? And I could be reaching here, but do you think that it's like, like, I want to know the guy, or I want to know why he left, or I want to know uh, if he accepts me? I think it's all of those. Which uh, is wild, because at yeah. this point, you think this crazy lunatic, who you clearly the way you talk about didn't like very much, was your dad. You find out he's not. So then it's eating at you. At, you said, the hardest point in your life. So then you start searching for him where? On Facebook. There you go. It's crazy. It was crazy. In a way, I was relieved because I was like, okay, this this monster is not my dad. So Okay, yeah. I was like... So there's so, hope. So that's why he every time he got in a fight with my mom, he would say, you take your son and I'll take my daughter. And, and I didn't know why he said that all the time. Wow. And then he must have known, I don't know, maybe down deep. So I look just like my mom and my sister looks just like him. Mm-hmm. So I find him, I start sending messages to all the people that have the same last names and that live in Mexico city. And after maybe a day or two, a lady replies and it's his sister. Wow. And she's like, yeah, I know who he is. And, and then I tell her my name and she said, oh, okay, I'll send him a message. And then he messages me the very next day and we start chatting on Facebook. So bizarre. Um, then he gives me his phone number and then we start talking on the phone and then he tells me his side of the story. Um, then um, I get a job with this company where I had to travel. So I'm going to Mexico back and forth. Uh, and then we met. We met at, at the airport in Mexico City. I had a pretty long layover for about five, six hours and... He came and got me at the airport. We went and sat down uh, at a restaurant, ate. And how old are you at this point? Like 35. Dude, that's like a movie. And so we start talking and he tells me about his life and his, the family and all this stuff. And and was he married? No. Okay. And did he have kids? He did. Okay. So he, uh, after my mom, um, then he ended up getting married um, to a lady from Jamaica Okay. Um, he had two kids with her when they were going to have their third one. Uh, she had complications and she dies on the uh, table having their daughter. Um, and did the daughter make it? No. So neither, of them neither made it. made it. Oh my gosh. How heartbreaking. Oh, uh, he, he wrote a book about it. Really? Uh, that's how, yeah. Okay. That's I'm going to have to check story. it out. Um, then, then he was single for a long time, and then he remarries, and then has another son with his last wife. So our lives are pretty similar. He's got... It's crazy and funny, and some people might think, well, you know, what a disgrace to have all these kids with all these different people, but I don't know. It's, it's life, man. See, that's what I. That's one of the coolest things of, of talking to you is, is, like, sometimes we have... Well, not sometimes. We have this perfect idea of what, like marriage and life is supposed to look like and then when it doesn't work out i think that we become very quiet about it mm-hmm. and we miss out that life is just messy and there's still a ton of beauty and a ton of grace and a ton of good stuff that comes out of messy life everybody has a story this whole right. marriage perfect marriage perfect kids this whole thing is somewhat of a fantasy it, it, it's it's that no, it's the struggle of continuing to grow, continuing to get back in the game. And that's rebel. Rebel is to continue to fight every day for right. life, for relationship, for community. 
Um, and so that's why, I mean, this is such a real raw and open story to go, this is life. This is what yeah. life looks like. And now I won't say that um, everybody's life is like totally comparable because clearly like there's things that you've gone through and grown up that were definitely more difficult than other people. Right. Um, but you're sitting here sharing your story and saying like, I'm still fighting today at 44 to be a great dad and a great husband. And even as you came in here, you were talking about your relationship with your, your wife now Mm -hmm. and the, the beauty of the, there was a little bit of a fight, but then she texted me how amazing I am. And then I stopped by the house and gave her a hug or work or wherever. Like that's real life. Yeah. That is, that is what this is about. And you're a freaking amazing example of every day getting up and continuing to go fight for that stuff that matters to you. Yeah. It's uh, it, like you said, it's, it's just, it's real. It's, it's what happens. And, uh, um, and my wife now, she's, uh, you know, she is, she's a blessing, man. I, after always mama and I didn't work out, I went into a really big downward spiral. I thought my life was over. I mean, I thought who's going to want a guy that has two kids with two different women. And who's, I was just, I thought my life was over. I'm like, mm-hmm. I might as well just strike me here and, you know, done. But then. So, I, but I have my daughter, and I have Obi now, and I'm trying to I'm trying to be a good dad to both of them still, but I'm depressed as depressed can be. Yeah. And then um, I moved in with a friend of mine. He drags me to the gym. We start working out. We start feeling better about myself. Start, you know, just feeling feeling more confident. And um, at this time now, I'm working. I think I'm working at uh, a Mercedes. And uh, and I'm feeling good. I have a good job, making good money. Um, and then that's where I met my wife. Uh, a friend of a friend referred her to me to buy a car. And it's a long story how the whole car thing happened, but uh, it ended up being... She ordered a car that we didn't have, and, and we stayed in touch for over a month. And during that month... Um, then we started getting a little more personal and, and more personal. And then when the whole car deal was over, I was like, well, wait a minute, I still want to talk to you. So yeah. we just kept in contact. And then we, then we took our kids to, we had like a combined play date slash date. And, and then it, it just went pretty fast from there. I just knew right then and there that we, our chemistry and our compatibility was so amazing that we just we just hit it off. Um, from the time that we started dating to when I think we moved in together within four or five months. And then I just knew she was like, she was a big blessing for me. And yeah. um, I just wanted to make sure that, that she knew that. And uh, I wanted to, well, when, when I asked her to move in with me, I made a huge deal about it. Um, and I didn't give her an option. She just had to say yes, based on how I asked her to move in with me. And then we started living together. We moved to Rockland. We moved her business to Rockland. And now Noah is living with us and Obi's living with us. And and I knew, uh, I knew this was my person now. Yeah. 
not just my wife but my life partner my i just she she was the one and and i've never felt like that about anyone in my life yeah so i wanted to do something really special and uh and and I knew, and she she'll tell you, you know, if you would have asked me to marry you in a parking lot, I would have married you in a parking lot because she says that all the time. But I wanted to I wanted to be special, and I hired this I hired a photographer, and I somehow I whistled my way into one of the tallest buildings in Sacramento, and I and I did a a rooftop proposal, and and it was amazing, and uh, she cried, I cried, and and um and then we uh we got married in um we decided to get married in San Francisco we didn't want a big wedding but we got married in San Francisco and and we planned i think uh we had like 12 people in our wedding um rented a suite and we had a mariachi there we had food catered we had drinks and we just partied our butts off all night and and it was amazing Man, that sounds so fun. Um, and beautiful and incredible. And there's just so much good there. You know, a few moments ago, you're saying some people could look at this and maybe even you're saying it about yourself. You looked at it as like, what a disgrace. You were talking about you and your dad mm-hmm. having multiple, you know, marriages and multiple kids for multiple women. And you were depressed and like, first off, kick-ass friend whoever wasn't too busy to let you go live there and drag your ass to the gym Mm -hmm. and to get up again and go like all right i'm gonna fight again for life and for what matters and too many of us give up you know and just over this horizon over this ah there's this other hurdle is like this most amazing marriage and like you said you went after this one differently than the other two mm-hmm. you know those were almost like convenience in a sense yeah. and this was i want this and i want you and i want to show you like i'm going to fight for this and i'm going to show you how much it matters to me um regardless of how i might feel about what you said or what others might think about it yeah and i think man if we all just kept attacking life like that dude our world would look different if men kept fighting for life like that, other you know, and not just being compl- not that everybody is, but we've also we've we've made some kind of name for ourselves because right. there's the Bart Simpsons and the Al Bundys. There's less jokes about women and mo- mothers acting that way. Mm-hmm. But if more men were to just continue to fight the way that you have, um, dude, killer, so good. So um, we have like ten minutes left. Okay. So. I, I didn't want to cut you off. Is there anything else that you would want to share? Okay, we got 10 more minutes. I do want to jump back to you and your dad's relationship for a minute. Yeah. But then you were kind of going with your marriage and that. Anything else that was important to you? Like you have this killer proposal, this killer wedding, this bringing together of your families. Is there anything else in that? that- I mean, yeah, Leah is... Um... Well, she's definitely everything that I've ever wanted in... in in my in my life partner and my wife and and she has she's made me become a better father also um and (laughs) sometimes um like i'll give an example Uh, as a as a mexican dad traditional mexican dad growing up in mexico 
when our parents told us to do something, you just did it. You didn't ask questions. You didn't say, but this or that, or you just had to do it. And they didn't say please. They didn't have to say please. So that's, that, was, that has been a shift for me being raised like that and then trying to raise kids a little different because she grew up a lot different than I did. She didn't grow up with the very strict parents or, or, the, or that cultural mm-hmm. side of it. Yeah. So for me to to say please for my kids to do something, it was like a foreign concept. I'm oh. like, what are you talking about? I'm the dad. They're my kids. They have to do what I say. She's like, but you have to say please. <laughs> it took me a long time, but I understand. I I know why you say please and thank you. And and my two year old, he's the most polite two year old that I've ever seen. And, and and he's my kid, so I'm gonna say that, of course. But to hear a two year old say thank you so much, or thank you, that's amazing, or can I please have this out of a two year old, and because mommy taught him how to do that, that's just amazing. Yeah, and you following that learning, this is important, clearly he's going to see that. Oh, yeah. Whether you told him to do it or not, he's seeing you do that. And we, same thing, my wife and I always, please thank you, and, you know, it's, uh, uh, and manners, and all that stuff. It's It's huge. It's huge. Um, So, no, she's definitely made me not only a better man, but a better dad, for sure. I love that. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. So you meet your dad at the airport and just to kind of, you know, somewhat wrap that, that piece of the story up. It's just so incredible to go, I'm 35 and meet my dad for the first time. Yeah, it was, uh, so we met and we chatted, told me about him, his family, what he did for work. And so uh, apparently the family was pretty well off uh, at the time when, when my mom was pregnant and, um, and he tried to help financially, but was too young to get married. And uh, so he tells me that story. And he said, no, I, I always kept tops on you, but I couldn't. And then your mom married to this guy. And then I couldn't do anything because because she was married. So and she didn't want him to know anything. Yeah. So then we stayed in touch. You know, we just we start just calling each other every now and then just checking on each other for for years and then then i meet leah i get married and and then she's pregnant um and one day talking to him i said hey you know now that we're having a a kid having a son so i just want to kind of wrap this thing up and and just i would really want to know if we really are related so we, she's like, he goes, yeah, it's funny that you say that because my sisters just asked me if we have done a DNA test yet. So we go and do, so we get the DNA test done, comes back positive. And then he tells my brothers, um, hey, here's, he's, he's your brother. And so now I'm the older brother. Um, there was, so there's Andrew and, and um, Conrad and Pablo. So Conrad is was the oldest, then Andrew, then Pablo. Um, and then they reach out to me separately, except for Conrad. The oldest. The oldest. Yeah, I mean, that'd be a trip if I'm the oldest right now. Some dude's like, hey, uh, you're actually not the older brother anymore. Right. Right here. <laughs> Steps in some other guy. It's just interesting. Yeah, so he uh, he takes, uh, you know, the other to reach out and they're like, hey, welcome to the family. Cool, nice to meet you, whatever. 
And then Conrad takes about a week and he goes, hey, bro, sorry it took me so long, but, you know, it's not every day that they tell you you're not old, no, no longer the oldest. Yeah. So, but then I'm I'm really close with him now. That's cool. Um, and that was really cool. And then as we're talking more and more, uh, he goes, you guys should come to Mexico. We, I want to meet you. Your dad person. says this. My brother. Okay. Conrad. Conrad. So he puts everything together. He's like, you guys should come for Christmas and this and that. And then I start talking to my wife and now Otto is born and he's four months old. And, and here we go to Mexico to meet everybody. And, um, and in my head, I was like this little crazy fantasy in my head. I, I started telling my wife, you know, I wonder if they're going to, cause I had that feeling of what if they don't like me? What if they reject me? Or what if, and I had like a, I don't know if it was a dream or a daydream where everybody's there and they all like welcome me with open arms. So it's almost like you're envisioning and almost building up like a celebration. Right. And how'd your wife respond to that? She she was excited for me, but then at the same time, she'll, she'll tell you, she said she was almost heartbroken inside because she's like, what if yeah. they don't react the way he expects them to right. react? And right. so she's worried and she's praying and she's just feeling horrible for me in case it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we plan this trip to Mexico. We show up. And from the get-go, she's 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 scared because she's never been there. So she's never been to Mexico. Mexico City. She's never okay. been. And and right now she thinks that it's like this little bicycle town because where I grew up in, in Veracruz, it was a, a little bicycle town. <sighs> yeah, everything town. you're telling her about your childhood, she's envisioning you're going to show up to this little back room, right. tiny house. And uh, so we land in Mexico City. It's a big, massive city. And it's my dad picks up picks us up in a you know pretty new SUV and in the, we're in traffic in Mexico City. Uh, and is it just you, your wife and your and your youngest? Yeah. Okay. Well, Otto. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Otto's Otto. too. Yeah. yeah. And the youngest is Massimo. Um so my dad says he shows up with his girlfriend. He's 60 something has a girlfriend. Uh and says, you know, we'll do anything you guys want to do. But there's only one day that I have something planned. And, and I, any other day, you do whatever you want. And so we're going to have a, a, a dinner at the house. So, okay. So we, he takes us everywhere. And then Saturday comes around. And, and then all of a sudden, everybody starts showing up. Cousins, uncles, friends of the family. And they all had this big, massive reception. But, well, back up a little. So we walk in the house, and my dad, as you walk into the, the like this little courtyard uh, in the in the house, he has pictures of all the sons that he had hand-drawn. Oh, cool. And, and we walk in, and then he had taken one of my pictures from Facebook and had it hand-drawn, and then he put it on the wall. And I'm the first one on the wall. So now... It's it's me, Conrad, Andrew, and Pablo. How special. Oh, my gosh. So you walk Dude. in. You get picked up from the airport. You walk in, and there's already, like, you got your wife you're thinking about. You got yeah. your kid. You got your dad. You got yourself you're thinking about. I mean, there's a lot of emotions going on. Yeah. And you walk in, you see this picture, and you're like. My wife saw it first, and she was like, she almost started crying. She's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then there's pictures of us. Like, he downloaded pictures from our wedding, and he, like, put them in oh, frames all over man. the house. And then... Saturday rolls around and everybody starts showing up and 
And it was like I pictured it in my head. Everybody just welcome it. Primo, cousin, nice to meet you, this and that. And it was even greater, better because they all speak English. Like that side of my family, they all, they're all pretty well off and educated. And so Leah had a great time because she was able to communicate yeah. with everybody. And, and it, it turned out amazing. What a beautiful celebration. Did your dad say anything that day? Um, or Conrad or anything? I mean, uh, they were just, just kind of introducing you to people. And yeah. just like the whole day was this, this yeah. celebration. Yeah, it was, uh, this is your aunt, this is your cousin, this is your uncle. And, you know, like, welcome to the family. Everybody just said that. Everybody just kept saying that, welcome to the family. Wow. And it was awesome. Wow. Uh, Dude, it's like a movie, bro, this story. It's it, so good. And I know it's your life. So you're just sitting down like, all right, I'm going to tell you this story. And so it's this different, when I'm sitting outside looking at it, it's like, it's just amazing. It's just beautiful redemption, fatherhood family community marriage children i mean so many things it's just life it's yeah. the beauty of the messiness of life it is and and i'm telling you it's a uh, everything about it especially now uh with with leah it's it's because uh, kids you can be a father and you can be a, a, a mother and, and you're going to raise them up to a point, but ultimately kids are going to leave. Right. Oh, so you, you, you can have that bond with your kids and, and still like my daughter's in Virginia, but, and we still really close, but you gotta be with your person. And, 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 and we're so connected. Leah and I are so connected that it's, it's crazy. Next we went on a trip to England for 10 days and, we totally, totally reconnected. It was like a second honeymoon. So we had no kids. We mm -hmm. went by ourselves. And then we come back and, and then life happens again. And we're busy with schedules and with kids. And, and we're just having a hard time adjusting to everything again. And, and now we're butting heads about the kids and the, the schedules and picking up and, and all this stuff. So we, uh, so we're just, like butting heads and then she I was telling her that I was gonna be here and she's like, Why didn't you tell me? You know, we should have been more prepared and I wish we we weren't being buttheads to each other and and so we you know, we kind of hashed it out this morning and I'm like, I love you, I I thank you for, you know, everything and and then on my way here I was planning to just stop by and give her a hug and a kiss. But right before I got there. She took the time to send me this long message, and and she she I don't know. It just I'm a big baby, dude. I cry for everything, and <laughs> and I show up to to her business, and she has two clients there, and I walk in with my glasses on, and I just give her a hug and a kiss, and and I'm crying. <laughs> She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like I just wanted to come say hi, and and she gave me a hug and a kiss, and then came here dude that's what it's all about man yeah. like still that was today you know and yeah. i think we we sometimes want to put on this facade like oh yeah all this really hard stuff happened two years ago 10 years ago 20 years ago and uh we're comfortable talking about those things but to say like hang on a second life is still life life is still messy and i can yeah. either choose to be an asshole in it or fight or be distant or 
um, just go through the motion or I can I can take the time to be intentional with this thing that I have in front of me, mm-hmm. which is like this relationship, you know, and to go, yeah, this relationship matters because it's going to go beyond. It's going to go beyond the kids. It's it, it means so much. So, dude, I love it because when you came in and we first started talking, you shared that. And I'm like, dude, let's bring that up because that's that's real, you know. That's how life is, but you you take the time to go give a hug, to go give a kiss. You take the time to shoot a text and say, you know what? I know we fought this morning, but you're a great dad, and I love you. Regardless of this thing that we're not agreeing on, that's always going to happen. That's life. Yeah, that is life. And I mean, what a great example to own that and share it, because I think so much of the time we just sweep crap under the rug, and we don't swallow our pride and just walk in with our glasses on and show our tears and be like, I just need to, to hug you right now. Yeah. Dude, if all of us did that, like our marriages <laughs> would be better. Our kids would view our relationships as better, uh, which is like such a cool gift to give your kids. Dude, uh, oh, Beth, man, you're a great dad. You're I try. S- I'm, I'm still we're trying. All, we're all, we are all in progress. But you're a great dad. You clearly care about people. You care about your wife. You care about life. You, Your life is a freaking amazing example of rebelling, which is just continuously fighting for what matters to you. And dude, you're only 44. You have another like 50 years plus in you to keep doing this and um, taking all the wisdom and the things that you've learned and sharing it with me and others and your kids and your wife and family. And I just want to encourage you to just keep keep going after what matters to you. Yeah, it's thank beautiful, you. man. Oh, this was amazing. Thank you very much. Dude, thank you for sharing your story. I uh, can't wait to meet your wife and your kids. And um, yeah, dude, thanks for sharing your story with us today. Uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. As I sat here today and listened to Obeth share his story, I was just so into his story, so ingrained in just hearing each word and how everything unfolded, how incredible that he would share that with us so that we could learn from his life and grow from his life. And what an amazing example of really what rebel and create in the flesh is all about. Like to live a life, to continue to fight for the things that matter to you as a man, and to continue to fight for family and children, regardless of what life throws at you. I know that I'm sitting here super encouraged to continue um, to press into my potential, to continue to press into how I love my wife, how I love my kids, how I am engaged in my community. And so I hope you're feeling the same way. And I hope that it inspires you, one, that you're not alone, one, that just to own the messiness of life, to let it continue to shape you and I, and not to allow life to just toss toss us where it may, but that whatever comes at us, we would use that to to sharpen the rough edges off of us um, as we continue to like course correct and go in the direction that we want with our lives. And that's what Rebellion Creates all about. Uh, So thank you to Obeth for sharing his life with us. Incredible. I want to thank all you dads out there listening to Rebelling Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters, truly matters. The way you fight for your family, it matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That's who your kids, spouse, and community needs. 
This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's continue to rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. And as always, go like us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow us, whatever. Do it. Check out the story. Spread the story. Fatherhood matters. Together, we are redefining what fatherhood means. Thank you. And go be the dad and the father that you were created to be. Thank you.